to the shortest main slate of the season, 10 games in week six, and welcome in to Fantasy Football Today. DFS, Frank Sample, joined by Mike McClure and Sia Najad here to deep dive each of those 10 games. And of course, we'll have our weekly cheat sheet for you towards the end of the podcast, our favorite stacks, chalk, value, and contrarian plays of the week. As for week six, we were just talking this is a wacky one right now. We've got three games with a total over 50. A fourth game, the Cardinals and Browns checking in at 40, 49 and a half. And that game is just all over the place. There's injuries to the Browns running backs. There's a COVID situation we have to worry about. There's wind in that game. Sia, what is going on? How are we feeling about week six? How are you feeling about the Browns and the Cardinals? Because that's a wacky one. It is a wacky one. I thought it was a potential sneaky game, and it might end up being a sneaky game to actually play. It's certainly not among my top three stacks. I have, you know, a couple are, are kind of obvious when it comes to like the Kansas City Washington game. The Ravens and the Chargers is, is going to be a big time one. So as this show goes, we're going to discuss not only that it's, you know, why it's a good stack, but also how to maybe construct your lineup maybe a touch differently than some of the other people that are that are using that game. But long story short, I do feel pretty good about this slate. Um, I do like, I, I think there's some pricing that has sort of opened up with a lot of these injuries that we're about to talk about and uh, the COVID situations and things of that nature. So I'm excited to, to get after it. I mean, I, I feel the same way I did last week and, and last week went pretty well for me. So uh, let's let's get it started. Mike, how are we doing? Uh, this is your last week before your life is basically over. I mean, there's base, uh, there's basketball coming. There's hockey just started. Football all going on at the same time. It's a, it's a tough time to be Mike McClure. It's a tough time, but it's still a good time. We love uh, October. It's, you know, the best time of the year on the sports calendar. Always something going on. Always somewhere to put your money. Not somewhere to put your hands on the mic. I'm not going to play with the mic much today here. So <laughs> we, we got that figured out. I caught myself early. Um, yeah, it's a good time. I'm very excited for this week. It is very interesting. Only three afternoon games. One of them we just touched on has potentially the most news in it as it relates to some of the bigger players. We may or may not have that news. If they're truly, truly game time decisions, we may not have that before the slate locks. Uh, And with only three games to potentially use for late swaps instead of the normal four to five, it's going to be a very interesting week. A very interesting week indeed, and let's start it off with the Chiefs at the Washington football team. The Chiefs are six and a half point favorites, 54 and a half point total here, the highest on the main slate. All of these odds come via Caesar Sportsbook and injuries to monitor Clyde Edwards Elair placed on IR. But the bigger news is that Tyreek Hill did not practice again on Thursday, dealing with this quad injury. And for the football team, Curtis Samuel and Brendan Scherf did not practice Thursday. And Antonio Gibson and Deami Brown did return in limited fashion. Here's the problem. And we were texting beforehand. I want to play everybody in this game. <laughs> I want to play. There's good values. You know, there's some sneaky, like, mid-tier plays. And, of course, high-end. I mean, we look, the Chiefs, we're five weeks into the season. They have a losing record. They have the worst record in the AFC West. And on top of that, they just lost CEH. And they're probably going to throw the ball. I mean, at least 40 times, it really would not shock me if they approach 50 pass attempts in this game, just because like uh, the Chiefs are normally pass heavy and now they lost their their starting running back. Uh, and of course, the, the problem which we already alluded to is the Tyree kill injury. So it's hard for us to completely talk about that right now. So we'll see what happens on Friday. Uh, but yeah. I'll just read out some salaries and then, you know, we'll, we'll get into it. Patrick Mahomes is the highest priced quarterback on both slates. Tyree Kill, 8,500. Travis Kelsey is 7K. That is the lowest salary he has had all season long. Mecole Hardman is 4,200 coming off a game where he led the team with 12 targets. Darrell Williams is 4,900. Jarek McKinnon is 4,400 on a slate where, you know, we're, we're, we're going to need some value to open up. Uh, there is a running back we'll talk about a little bit later on that I think will be very popular. And on the other side, Taylor Heineke is 4,800 against the league's worst defense. Terry McLaurin, 7,100 with a 28% target share. Ricky Seals-Jones, 3K, has played every single snap except one since Logan Thomas got hurt. Mike, how are we handling this game? We are playing a lot of this game. That is for sure. We obviously need the status of Tyree Kill, but you mentioned... Nicole Hardman led the team in targets last week. He did, in fact, lead the team in targets. Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill also had double-digit targets in that game. They had three players with double-digit targets. We love when we see situations like that where we know where the football is going to be thrown. That's a very good thing. Now we know that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is out. We know who's going to be playing the running back snaps. 
uh, everything just got even more concentrated on an offense that is very high powered. We love that their defense is terrible. That means we're likely to see a competitive game no matter how it really shakes out here. They're also on the road. So yeah, I think you're going to be playing a ton of this game. I know my initial build before the breaking news at the running back position for the Bears, I actually had six players in this game in the same lineup. And I, I don't think it's crazy either because every time I found myself going back to it, all right, well, you know, obviously I want Patrick Mahomes and I want his pass catchers and then I want to bring it back because I think this game could be, you know, sneaky competitive and Terry McLaurin is awesome and Ricky Seals Jones is on the field and Darrell Williams is a value running back. So I understand why, why you would want to get as much exposure to this game as humanly possible uh, currently and no, this will change now that uh, Khalil Herbert will, will be very popular this week. Uh, but my cash lineup has Mahomes, Kelsey, Hardman with McLaurin and RSJ on the bring back. Yes, two tight ends, but Travis Kelsey's not really a tight end. See ya. What are we doing with this game? How are you looking to stack it? Because it is very likely the most stackable game this week. Yeah, and it's it's the kind of stack where if you're only using three players from this game in your you know air quote stack, uh, you're probably doing it wrong. You want to have at least four, probably five, and to Mike's point, maybe even six. Again, this is a super high total, 55, 54 and a half, 55 and a half, depending on where you look. So you want to get a lot of pieces of this game. And again, it's not just because it's the Chiefs. It's because both of these defense are dead last and next to dead last in, in terms of defense. So there's so many ways to do it. I do want to include um, Daryl Williams in the conversation, though, because we know he can catch passes. Honestly, I think the Chiefs are more comfortable with Daryl Williams rather than CEH because I think he's the re more reliable third down back. Now, I know Jarek McKinnon might get in this game and, and will get in this game and will get some targets. But I really think it's more Daryl Williams just on all three downs. So at 4,900, he's just a nice little piece. You can stack running backs with Mahomes. We all know that, especially when those running backs tend to catch passes. And honestly, even if he doesn't, Mahomes can get his and Daryl Williams at 4,900 can get his as well. So I think a, a Mahomes stack with, like you guys said, Kelsey and Hardman makes probably the most sense. But I'll certainly have some stacks with Patrick Mahomes and Daryl Williams. Obviously, we have to monitor the Tyreek Hill situation. If you're bringing it back, we know at this point, if you look at Terry McLaurin's target since Taylor Heineke came, you know, since Brian Fitzpatrick got injured, I think he's third in targets in the entire league. So Heineke absolutely locks in on Terry McLaurin, regardless of the coverage. So Terry McLaurin's going to be great. If you want to get cute, J.D. McKissick might end up from a game script standpoint, might end up being good. Obviously, Ricky Seals-Jones is a tremendous value play. Frank, you pointed that out last week. Last week, he had eight targets, three red zone targets. And Casey, by the way, as you might have predicted, they're bad against the tight end. The only other thing I want to point out here, stacking Taylor Heineke with Terry McLaurin, with RSJ, and bringing it back with two Chiefs makes plenty of sense. I'm not saying Taylor Heineke is going to have a better game than Mahomes, but I am saying, A, it's possible, and B, he's so much less from a price standpoint, it makes a lot of sense, even if he's the inferior quarterback from a point standpoint. You can still bring it back with two Chiefs. Pick your Chiefs, Daryl Williams, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, McCole Hardman. Again, we got to monitor the Tyreek Hill situation, but there are so many different ways to go, and I definitely think if you're stacking this game, you got to have at least one share with Taylor Heineke and some of his uh, some of his teammates. And that is exactly why Sia is a professional broadcaster. My next question. What about stacking Taylor Heineke? And I think it's definitely doable. He's 2,500 less than Patrick Mahomes on this slate, and it makes it a lot easier if Tyreek Hill's active to go Heineke, Ricky Seals-Jones, Terry McLaurin, and then bring it back with both Tyreek Hill and uh, Travis Kelsey if you wanted to do that. And then obviously you could spend up a little bit more uh, at wide receiver there in, in the mids here if you'd like to do that. Mike, anything else you wanted to hit on this game? Yeah, definitely wanted to hit on the Tyreek Hill situation and one other player that I don't think that we have to totally ignore this week, and that's Josh Gordon. So Josh Gordon was scheduled to play around 20 to 25 snaps in his debut. However, the Chiefs found themselves trailing by so much that they ended up in a hurry-up situation, a no-huddle situation, a lot more than they anticipated, and that's why the snaps were limited. Now, we know that Tyreek Hill has been missing practice all week. McCall Hardman is there sliding over into Tyreek's role just a little bit, but it was an excellent opportunity for next man up in these practice situations to get Josh Gordon more familiar with the offense. At 3,400, 
I'm probably not playing him in a Mahomes stack, but if it's a scenario where it's like a Heineke stack, right, and want to have an extra value play, I think that this is an interesting play. Again, it depends pretty much on Tyreek's status, but don't be surprised at all if you see Josh Gordon on the field more and getting targets in this game. But where I would be interested is if I was trying to load up on um, a situation with Heineke savings there, throw him in as one of the Chiefs, and then I could still pay up for someone like Devontae Adams in the same lineup because at 3400 uh, you're saving a lot of money there. And let's face it, once Josh Gordon is in the rotation, he is not a $3,400 wide receiver in this offense. He's for at least the same price as Michael Hardman, who, by the way, is underpriced. But you're looking at a $5,000 to $5,500 receiver in a few weeks uh, at 3400 that might be forced into action even if Tyreek Hill is active and limited. Uh, one other, Frank, one other yep. guy to point out, and this is actually, this could end up being really important depending on the status, uh, status of certain Washington football team guys. DeAndre Carter last week, he came in for Curtis Samuel, eight targets, four catches, 62 yards, 70% of the snaps. So if, we know Curtis Samuel is going to be out again, but if Deami Brown is also out, now we know he's gotten a couple limited sessions in, so he's probably playing, but if Deami Brown is out, that's basically going to leave DeAndre Carter and probably Adam Humphreys behind Terry McLaurin. They've already shown us that DeAndre Carter is going to be a fundamental part of the offense if, you know, for example, some of these guys like Deami and Curtis Samuel are out. He's 3K. He can really make a lot of these stacks work. You mentioned, Frank, bringing it back with, for example, uh, Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey or stacking Mahomes with an expensive Travis Kelsey, maybe even Tyreek Hill. That becomes very, very doable when you bring it back with some min price guy like DeAndre Carter. It's not somebody to put in your lineups now. It's a situation to monitor over the next couple of days. I realize we're spending a lot of time on this game, but it's it's going to be a very popular game uh, for this week. My last question for you, Mike, if Tyreek Hill is active in this game, do you do you still play him as much as you would uh, if he was like 100% healthy, just in the fear that he could be limited here? I mean, yeah, there's definitely a fear that he can be limited, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that if he plays, it's because he's ready to play. I don't think that they're going to risk any sort of longer-term injury because it sounds a little crazy, but they are at the must-win point of the season right now. Uh, They're in a pretty big hole in the division, pretty big hole in the conference overall. Certainly not a game that they can afford to drop. Uh, I know it's tough to win on the road, but uh, as long as Tyreek is active... um, I mean, you look at it here, he had 13 targets last week while clearly not right in that game. 12 the week before, he's had a 15-target game against Cleveland. Like, If he's out there 100% or not, I'll take 80% Tyreek Hill if he's getting double-digit targets. All right, let's move on to the Chargers at the Ravens. The Ravens are two-and-a-half-point favorites here with a 52-point total. And for the Chargers, Mike Williams did not practice on Wednesday with a knee injury, so pay attention to that. And then for the Ravens, this popped up on Thursday. Lamar Jackson uh, did not practice as well as Sammy Watkins, and there is a chance that Rashad Bateman is activated for this week. We've seen this already this year where Lamar Jackson doesn't doesn't necessarily need to practice on Thursday or Friday to be able to play, but... Just keep this in mind. I I didn't even see an injury designation, what he's dealing with, but he did not practice, so uh, keep that in mind. The second most likely game stack, for obvious reasons here, uh, is this game, the Chargers at the Ravens. There are stars all around, and we will start with the Ravens here. Uh, Given their injuries at running back, they have become more pass-centric this season, and Lamar is averaging 33.4 pass attempts per game, which is a career high for him. He's also uh, having a career year in terms of passing efficiency, completing 67% of his passes at 9.1 yards per attempt. And because of this increased volume and efficiency, it's easier to stack or even double stack with Lamar Jackson than ever before. I mean, we've, like, coming into the season, we would say, all right, well, someone like Lamar Jackson, a rushing quarterback, maybe even a Jalen Hurts, you don't need to stack with them because they run as much as they do. I think that's still the case, but now, see, a we can... We can very easily double stack because the, uh, the the salaries are make it easy to do so here with Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews. But I'm I'm just more willing to do it because they're passing more and the fact that the target concentration is there between those two receivers. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, th- this one's a little bit of a mystery to me because what I really want to do is stack Justin Herbert with like Keenan Allen, who I think is very reasonably priced, and maybe an Austin Eckler, and then bring it back with maybe a Mark Andrews or a Marquise Brown. But then again, I also want to take advantage of Lamar Jackson's legs and just that that read option game in general because the Chargers, the one thing they can't really do well at all is stop the run. And so part of me kind of stops and says, okay, well, if the Ravens are going to run it all day, then maybe they're, they're, they're playing ball control more than we like, and maybe this total isn't going to hit. But I kind of thought the same thing when the Browns played the Chargers, and that went up in smoke almost immediately because the Browns were able to run the ball, but they were just scoring touchdowns here, you know, almost every quarter, and it just was like a typical back and forth. So the clock management, clock control didn't really matter quite as much. I love this game. I think I'm going to be on the Justin Herbert side of the stack. I probably will br- be bringing it back with Marquise Brown, but honestly – I'm starting to come around on Mark Andrews because I think the Chargers are going to have a way um, more difficult time covering the tight end just based on recent history rather than the receiver. And with Rashad Bateman coming back, we'll have to see about Sammy Watkins. Duvernay's getting more touches. Andrews is certainly the more reliable target. Yeah, I I think I'm with you, man. I think I'm with you with the Chargers, and that's not to disparage the Ravens because I will have Ravens stacks this week as well. But I have a lineup built out right now with Herbert, Eckler, Keenan Allen, and then bring it back with Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews. And then you can also still fit in this lineup. I have Daryl Williams. I have Ke- uh, I have Terry McLaurin. I have Ricky Seals-Jones. So, I mean, you wow. get easy exposure to, to the two biggest totals on the slate here. Mike, what do you think about the Chargers side of things here? We didn't even mention Mike Williams yet, who's all the way up to 8,100. He is the wide receiver two overall in season-long fantasy leagues this year. And, and he's been amazing. But that cost is, is a little bit prohibitive at this point. So, what do you think about the Chargers side? Uh, I'm not interested in the Chargers side personally. Uh, I'm actually playing the Ravens defense in pretty much every single lineup on DraftKings. A lot of that is a price point play at 2300. Uh, but I, I love to find West Coast teams making their East Coast trip for an early start time for the first time of the season. And that's really what we have going on here. You know, you can play road games early in the season, but like this is like towards the middle of the season now you're getting into week after week you've got the travel I think it's a potential letdown spot for them I think the Ravens defense isn't as bad as they have shown at times Uh, I like that they're playing at home here so I'm going to be on the Baltimore side Uh, I like Baltimore to win the game I like the Baltimore defense here again at their price point Uh, I love Lamar I love Mark Andrews I'm not going to be playing Hollywood Brown this week Uh, I think they're going to employ a very similar strategy. Uh, We've seen it all year from the Chargers, but what they did against Kansas City, they're not going to let Marquise get into a foot race and let him get behind him, just like they did with Tyreek. They limited him to five catches, 50 yards, which is an okay game, especially if he finds the end zone for for Marquise at his price point. But what they're going to do is Lamar's going to look to run, and then they're going to leave the middle of the field open and give up eight to 12-yard catches to Mark Andrews all day long like they did to Travis Kelsey. So Mark Andrews at this price point, uh, you know, he's going to be incredibly popular. Uh, like I said, on Tuesday, it's going to be a week where you're going to really strongly consider playing two tight ends in your lineup because of the Ricky Seals-Jones value. Uh, but I'm very interested in Lamar. So my two cash games this week, I will split them. I don't know if it'll be 50-50 or 70-30 towards the home side, but I will have some exposure to the Lamar Mark Andrews in cash games. And those will be the only two quarterbacks I have in cash games. Yeah. And Frank, one other thing to point out here, and and it's, it's interesting that, that Mike brought up sort of the letdown spot, because when you look at this line, I think kind of like the square better is going to look at, Oh, wow. The the Ravens are favored. Oh, I'm definitely taking the chargers because of what they've seen from the chargers and kind of a lot of lucky kind of escape tactic wins from the Baltimore Ravens. But that line is there for a reason. And and I can tell you, there's a lot of sharp people that I know that have already taken the Ravens minus two and a half when that dropped from three to two and a half. So that kind of tells you, spells out what Mike is talking about. This isn't the gimme that you, you might think it is with the Chargers just being this incredible force, particularly on offense against what we perceive to be a banged up defense in Baltimore. So I I love the analysis. I'm still going to have some stacks of Herbert, but I like the other side of that quite a bit too with Lamar for sure. I am interested to see, I know you posted the ownership projections in here, Mike, uh, but Keenan Allen, uh, I, I still like Keenan Allen. I liked him last week. He didn't necessarily come through. Mike Williams had the massive game. He's down to 6,400. And uh, this is a tweet that I saw from our own Jacob Gibbs, friend of the program. We haven't had him on yet, but he's a friend. Uh, follow him on Twitter at J-A-Gibbs underscore 23. But um, he tweeted, 
Keenan Allen is one of only two players that have nine red zone targets and only one receiving touchdown on in the red zone this season. So uh, I, I think that that's a pretty good call there, uh, especially given his salary on the week. So Keenan Allen. And Frank, yeah, and Frank, by the way, he's not going to get much of Marlon Humphrey. That's probably going to be, Marlon Humphrey's probably going to be matched up. It's not a pure shadow necessarily, but on Mike Williams. So he's going to get the benefit of, easier coverage and he has the much lower price point and just like you said he's due for some positive regression so i, I love the keenan allen and, and to that point i want to you know we talk about the maybe being a sharp side we'll talk about another sharp side later in the game sharp side doesn't necessarily mean that it's a bad fantasy day for the other side uh, right. in a lot of cases it means that they're actually not going to be winning the game when there's going to be more desperation there's going to be more opportunities for catches so i'm with you there in that if i am going to play a charger or if i was going to bring it back in a stack situation keenan allen would be the guy because i do think he's the one that would rack up the volume in the situation where they find themselves down by one to two scores later in that game the Rams at the Giants. The Rams are nine and a half point favorites with a 48 and a half point total. Aaron Donald did not practice uh, on Wednesday. Uh, he is currently listed as questionable. And then for the Giants, there's a whole bunch going on. Saquon Barkley and Kenny Galladay did not practice Thursday. We expect Saquon Barkley to miss this game. Daniel Jones, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, Kadarius Tony all practiced on Thursday. I know Tony was limited. Uh, look, they're looking good as of now. Let's see what happens with Kadarius Tony on Friday. And I don't think the Giants will win this game in this spot, but I'm starting to think that they might keep this game closer than the spread actually indicates. So I don't know that I want to game stack this entire one, but I do think that there are some uh, interesting pieces here, obviously. Daryl Henderson is 6K and has at least 16 touches in all four games that he has played this season. It's a good matchup going up against the Giants. We spoke about Cooper Cup a little bit on Tuesday's podcast. He's 7,900. Robert Woods is 6,100. It seems like they are underpriced for their respective roles on this team. And then for the Giants, we have Devontae Booker filling in. He's 5,400. He had 19 touches last week. Um, Kadarius Tony is really talented. The problem is the price is now all the way up to 5,600. Mike, what are we thinking about the Rams and Giants? Yeah, this one is interesting. I tell you, the guy that I would probably be interested in investing in again is going to be Cooper Cup um, at, at 7,900. I just think it's a fine tournament play. Great pivot from $8,500 Tyreek Hill. If we know that overall, a lot of people are going to play Tyreek, you think that he might be still banged up with that quad injury. So I think Cooper Cup is interesting. Robert Woods, just from a projected points per dollar standpoint, is a fine play. Um, not so much interested in the running back now that we have all the value that's opening up that we'll talk about with the Bears situation. We already hit on Daryl Williams for the Kansas City Chiefs. So I, I don't think that I'll be in that range. I'd likely be a step above the Henderson range or the um, the Booker range if, if I was going to play someone else. Uh, you mentioned Kadarius Tony. That one is by far the most interesting play because it's right back to that situation of we are so conditioned by that $3,300 price point then the $4,000 price point, right? The issue is, is the role has changed drastically. So we've seen that $1,600 price point this week in terms of the difference from last week, it jumped $1,600. However, if I ask you to like not look at player names and said, I'm going to give you a guy that's seen 13 targets last week, nine targets the week before playing in a game script that's going to allow him those yards. Like if I read you all of the stats and all of the data, you'd probably be okay paying $5,600 for that output, right? So that's just another example where you have to be careful. I know that we're conditioned to, we see that $3,300 price point two weeks ago, then 4K, and it feels like you're buying at the top. You might not be buying at the top when you're buying in to a rookie that wants to be featured at home with maybe the best game script out there, You know, trailing by 10 points at home. You're going to be peppered with targets for sure. Mike, my only pushback there is that Kadarius Tony, everything he's done recently has been without Darius Slayton and without Sterling Shepard on the field. Any concern about those guys returning? I mean, there's some concern. Um, I, I think that the bigger concern is Daniel Jones and his health. <laughs> I think that's that, that's going to be my biggest concern there. And then the next biggest concern would be the ownership. But as long as he himself is healthy and out there on the field, which I believe he is questionable as well. He's got an ankle injury. He was limited in practice. Um, you know, it's probably at this point because of the value that's opened up, it's probably a stay away, but certainly not someone that I would be afraid to 
put in a lineup as a final piece because it isn't a game that I'm looking to like, I'm not eager to go build Daniel Jones stacks that include Kadarius Tony, but I'm certainly okay with playing Kadarius Tony as that third wide receiver in a lineup. See, I feel like in a normal week, we would see Devontae Booker at 5,400, 19 touches last week, no Saquon Barkley. And we would say, all right, I mean, this guy is at least in consideration, but considering how much value has already opened up at the running back position, Mike was just talking about it. I just don't know that you need to do it, especially in a game where he's projected as a near 10-point dog at home. Yeah, and it almost feels like the Alex Collins situation against the Rams last Thursday night. It's like, yeah, it's it's great. He's a starter, and he's going to get plenty of touches, but how well is he going to do against the Rams? And that's sort of how I feel about Devontae Booker. So it's a no for me. Honestly, in spite of the high total here at 48.5, I don't like this game really at all. I mean, I, you could certainly make arguments for Daryl Henderson and Cooper Cup, but like we've talked about and like we will talk about over the next 20 minutes or so, I like so many other guys in those types of uh, ranges that that have just more concentrated opportunity. For example, Cooper Cup is great. Like, don't get me wrong, but I probably would rather pay for DJ Moore at $400 less. Not because DJ Moore is definitely going to be better than Cooper Cup, but I just like that situation a little bit better. And I and, and he's he's less expensive. As far as Daryl Henderson, we're going to see so much running back value. I, it, I don't think... And, and I'm not sure Sony Michelle's not going to carve out like a little bit of a bigger role as each week goes by. So I'm just not interested in this game at all. All right, let's move on to the Bengals at the Lions. The Bengals are three and a half point favorites with a 47 and a half point total. Samaje Pirine has been placed on the COVID list and Joe Mixon did not practice on Thursday dealing with that ankle injury. Joe Burrow has a throat injury that he suffered last week, but is expected to play in this game. For the Lions, their starting center Frank Ragnow and wide receiver Quintez Cephas have been placed on IR and TJ Hawkinson returned to practice Thursday. Jamal Williams did not practice Thursday with a hip injury. DeAndre Swift remains limited, but that's pretty normal for him uh, throughout practices, and and he's played uh, every game so far this season. It looks like in this game, we'll start up top with the running backs. DeAndre Swift is 6,300, and while the carries have been low in some games this season, he leads all running backs in receptions this year with 29. He's second among running backs in targets with 35. He's also played over 73% of the snaps in each of the past two games. Uh, And then Joe Mixon is banged up. We already have a ton of running back value, but if he doesn't play, a gentleman named Chris Evans is likely going to be the starter here, and he is min price at 4K. I would imagine that they just passed the ball more, but it's worth throwing his name out there. Mike, I know that uh, early in the week you were a fan of DeAndre Swift. Where are we at right now, and what happens if Joe Mixon doesn't play? Yeah, I like Swift. He's definitely in the player pool. However, my like when I just ran based on the new news, it certainly went down my exposure to him as it just upgraded some of the wide receiver threes in the builds and basically forced more of the lineups to be Patrick Mahomes lineups just because of the way the projections work. Um, I, I like Swift, though. He's firmly in the player pool. I just unfortunately cannot tell you if I'm going to play him yet just because it all depends on what happens with the running backs and probably the next three games we're going to talk about. Um, Chris Evans, though, very interesting. Uh, Pirine going to be out. Uh, Mixon, non-participant in practice today. I like Evans. Uh, at 4K, he's viable. Uh, I think this game script is one where I think the Lions are one of the sharpest picks on the board this week in the sports betting market. Uh, I think it's going to be a very competitive game. I think the Lions could potentially steal this one. Evans has been involved when he's been on the field. I know he hasn't had a lot of run because he was a clear number three on the depth chart, but he could be a very clear number one um, or one and a half at least here. Um, You know, he's had targets. Uh, You look at some of the games. Last game against Green Bay, two targets, caught both of them 15 yards, was on the field for some of those snaps. Um, He's definitely going to be in the player pool and in consideration if Mixon is ruled out. Uh, There's no doubt about that. But if Mixon's in, in still limited and in, I, I think it's a pretty easy avoid, but firmly in the player pool if Mixon is out. Lots of pass catchers in this game. Jamar Chase now priced up to 6,700. He has 77 yards or a touchdown in every game this season. Tyler Boyd is 5,400. He has 32 yards or less in two of the three games that T. Higgins has played in. So it seems like Higgins and obviously Chase emerging as the top target in this offense has really affected Tyler Boyd when they're all healthy. And then T. Higgins, the name I mentioned there, he's down at 5,300, the cheapest of the three Bengals wide receivers, popping up as a high point-per-dollar play uh, in optimizers this week. He returned uh, one week ago 70% of the snaps with a 19% target share. On the other side, 
Amonra St. Brown. He's only 4,200. If you're looking for a cheaper wide receiver, he has a 24% target share over the last two weeks. See how interested are you in the Bengals and then Amonra St. Brown? Uh, extremely is the answer to both of those questions. This is like kind of the perfect pivot off that Kansas City game because I think most people know that the Chargers and the Ravens game is like kind of more a more obvious pivot. And yeah, I think people are going to look at this game and, and, and think, well, this is a good one too, but you know, it's the Lions at the end of the day. And so I don't think people will really be embracing this one. It's a 47 and a half point total. So it's certainly lower than a couple of the games that we've already talked about, but that's not a low total and it could absolutely fly over this total. There's a couple things that, that, contextually, I think are really important to remember. Detroit doesn't have any of their starting cornerbacks. And we we are now seeing Joe Burrow pass the ball a little bit more versus week one and week two. So we're starting to see him get more comfortable, perhaps get more comfortable with his injury more than anything and just kind of toss the ball around. You got Jamar Chase, who leads the league in air yards share. You got T. Higgins, who is an absolute beast. And honestly, in my opinion, one of the more underrated receivers in the league, partly because of Jamar Chase, to be honest. And then, of course, there's Mixon. I think Mixon is going to play. I think he's sitting because he does have that ankle injury. He looked pretty good last Sunday. So I don't think it's going to be the Chris Evans show. But if it is, he's a three down back because he catches passes too. So that's some great salary relief there. But I love stacking Burrow with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. And then you bring it back with two of these three guys. One is is Amon Ross St. Brown for sure. And then the other one is either T.J. Hawkinson or DeAndre Swift. I like T.J. Hawkinson only because his stock is – pretty low right now coming off a few bad games in a row. I think he's been kind of dinged up more than anything else. I do see him being a focal point in this offense, especially if they're passing the ball, which I expect them to be doing, especially without some of their offensive linemen. We know Frank Ragnow is out. They have other injuries. So this is a really, really interesting game. And, and I could absolutely see Joe Burrow throwing for three to four touchdowns. Interesting call there on TJ Hawkinson too. He is 5K on DraftKings this week, his lowest salary since week one. So you could potentially buy low on him. The Vikings at the Panthers. The Vikings are one point favorites here with a 46 point total and injuries galore. Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madison and Justin Jefferson were all limited on Thursday. Adam Thielen did not practice on Wednesday, but it looked like he was out there running some routes at practice on Thursday. And then for the Panthers, I mean, it seemed like early in the week, Matt Rule said it looks, you know, it looks like Christian McCaffrey is going to be back this week. He was not at practice on Thursday uh, for the portion that was open to the media. So that's going to go down as a DNP for Christian McCaffrey. Let's see what happens on Friday. But uh, lots of moving parts here. It feels like we're rooting once again for Dalvin Cook to uh, to rest another week. And I believe that they have a bye week in week seven. So that would just make perfect sense. Obviously, this is a very important game. Uh, in the NFC, the Vikings at the Panthers. But uh, if Dalvin Cook were out, we do get Alexander Madison at 6,200. Mike, what happens if both players are active? Is this just a straight-up avoid? Yeah, it's an avoid for me. It looks like both will be. Uh, Dalvin Cook was a full participant today. Uh, News just came out. He was listed as a full participant. Came out about five minutes ago. Um, So with that news, I think that if he – like, I think he wants to play, obviously – um, but I, I think he really wants to play because it's not a comfortable situation to sit there and watch someone like Alexander Madison just sit there and absolutely have the same level of production, if not better production than you. Um, while you would think it would be smart to wait if they do indeed have the buy uh, to come back. But it is an important game. But I think he's very eager to get back out there on the field. So I think it's a pretty clear avoid for me. Um, this is one that I... I'm going to watch the game. I'm very excited to watch the game, potentially end up with a bet on it. Um, But with McCaffrey coming back, not knowing how truly healthy he is, I know he's 50-50 to play. I lean more towards him giving it a go in some capacity. Uh, I'm not finding anything in this game that I like. I mean, of course, you could play DJ Moore in a tournament at any time. You can play Justin Jefferson in a tournament as a one-off play at any time. But I have zero interest in the quarterbacks in terms of stacking them. So for me, um, I I don't really have any interest in this game outside of, you know, if if Justin Jefferson looks like someone that that could potentially – be someone that I pivot to, but I I think everything's going to be so concentrated that I'd rather pivot to someone like Cooper Cup, frankly. And I'm actually looking at this Thursday injury report now, and it turns out Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen did not practice. They go down as uh, DNP on Thursday. Um, If Christian McCaffrey plays, he's 8,800 in the spot. There's no guarantee he would see a full workload, even if he is active. If it turns out that he's out 
Chuba Hubbard uh, is 5,900 on DraftKings. He had 29 touches last week, including five receptions. And see, you already mentioned the name, DJ Moore. He is 7,300 on the slate. He had a dud last week, but still has a 29% target share on the season. And I'll just throw the name out there. Spoiler alert, he's going to be my contrarian play later on. Robbie Anderson is 4,800. He has a 41% catch rate compared to a near 70% catch rate last year. His quarterback is different. Last year was Teddy Bridgewater. This year it's Sam Darnold. But they just missed on a long touchdown last week. And if that happens, you know, we probably just have Robbie Anderson as someone we're considering at 4,800. So I'll throw his name out there as a contrarian play. What do you think, Sia? I don't mind it at all. I mean, the, at the back end, you got Patrick Peterson and Brashad Breland. They're not, listen, Robbie Anderson hasn't been good, but they can't cover Robbie. Those two guys can't cover Robbie Anderson. So this would be the type of game where they would probably scheme a couple of plays to Robbie Anderson just to kind of get him a little bit satisfied because it's really been a poor showing so far. I like Robbie Anderson as kind of like, like to your point, a one-off in a big GPP. I like DJ Moore a lot, especially because it looks like this game is going to be very competitive. It's only a one and a half point line. I think if Christian McCaffrey is out, I like DJ Moore even better because I think they're going to need to utilize him a little bit more. If McCaffrey is a full go or allegedly a full go, I may back down just a little bit on my DJ Moore shares. But I do want to give credit to you because I I think Adam Thielen is also kind of a sneaky play here at 5,800. It's just such a low price. He hasn't been very good. He's not really getting downfield like Justin Jefferson is. But if you wanted to make a sort of a secondary stack to your lineups and grab like a share of Adam Thielen and a share of DJ Moore or Robbie Anderson. I have no issue with that. I also will not be playing Christian McCaffrey. I can't really count on a full workload and it's just I'd rather pay up for other guys at this point. All right, before we hit the break, do want to remind everyone you want to play against us in our DFS contest. It's over on DraftKings, 150 entries, $5 per entry. The top 15 gets paid out. The link is in the podcast and the YouTube description. Again, if you'd like to play against Sia, Mike, myself, uh, and my dad, who plays in every single one of these. He hasn't cashed yet, but if he does, I'll let you know. I'm sure he'll let me know too. Uh, We're going to hit a break. When we return, we have two more early games to hit on and then the afternoon slate next on Fantasy Football Today DFS. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, so we have the Packers at the Bears. The Packers are five-point favorites with a 44-point total here. And Robert Tunyon and Aaron Jones have been limited so far in practice. And for the Bears, Khalil Mack, Darnell Mooney, all limited. Allen Robinson did not practice on Wednesday, did not see us uh, yet what he did what he did on Thursday. And the big news right before we started, Damian Williams placed on the COVID list on Thursday. Now, if he's vaccinated and he tests negative for consecutive days, there's still a chance he can play, but we're like really up against it here and and like the bigger names in the industry have almost uh nearly ruled Damian Williams out. So, Khalil Herbert is 4600. He played 53% of the snaps last week. He had 18 carries. He looked spry. Uh, The only other running back on the roster, I believe, is Ryan Nall. They have uh, Artavis Pierce on their practice squad. So I just think it's Herbert here. He's probably going to play like 70% of the snaps and probably handle like 70% of the touches here in this spot. Uh, Mike, is this an autoplay at 4,600? I can't quite call it an autoplay. It's close. It's close, but it's not a lock. Like 4,600 versus like if Mixon, for example, is ruled out, I actually prefer Evans at 4K uh, just to save that $600. The thing that we have to be careful with here with the Chicago Bears is the game script. Uh, There's a reason why he carried the ball so many times in the last game and was not targeted once in the passing game. 
Williams was not targeted much in the passing game either. I believe only two catches on two targets. Um, they just didn't throw the ball to the running backs. They didn't need to. They were winning um, and they were ahead and in a game that they maybe weren't expected to be winning so easily. Uh, I don't believe, well, I shouldn't even say I don't believe, I am pretty confident this is not one where they're going to have a similar game script. Uh, I think, if anything, they're going to be trailing by multiple scores. Yes, that does theoretically increase his ability to catch passes out of the backfield as they're going to need to have that. Um, but I you know, I would caution on the extreme workload, so many carries, all of that. Yes, he will play the snaps, um, but what the actual offense looks like this week could be very, very, very different than what it did last week. Mike, would you be okay playing both Darrell Williams and Khalil Herbert in your lineup and then just paying up everywhere else? Yes, that's something I do very, very, very frequently. Um, So this week, if I'm doing that, I'm going to need at least Tyreek and McLaurin and maybe one other big player in there. Um, And I say big player, I'm probably not going to play Tyreek and Travis Kelsey together unless it's obviously a tournament. I don't think I would play the two of them in cash because of the way they correlate. Um, Or I would play someone like, you know, Devontae Adams with them in the tournament. Like if he has a big game or big enough game to like really make an impact and get there, then the Packers are at least scoring points or in a situation where they have got to figure out how to move the football. So yes, I'm okay doing it, but in order to do so, I need basically this combo. I need Travis Kelsey and Devontae Adams together, or I need Tyreek Hill and Mark Andrews together with Terry McLaurin and all of those situations. I I need high ceiling guys in stackable games to be able to use those two running backs in the same lineup. Devonta Adams is all the way up to 9K, coming off a massive game where he had 40.6 DK points. He leads the NFL with a 38% target share, but a lower total in this game. Uh, and we question how competitive it's going to be at this point between the Packers and the Bears. Uh, Devonta Adams currently projecting for 16% ownership, which is one of the highest uh, wide receiver ownerships on the entire slate. See, what do we think about uh, Devonta Adams? Maybe with Tyree Kill currently limited, and we, you know, that situation is up in the air. Maybe we do start to look at Devonta Adams a little bit more because on Tuesday, like we kind of mentioned him in passing. But what do you think? Probably not for me. I mean, okay. I, you know, nine K is certainly reasonable, but in this game on this slate, I, I just probably would go ahead and avoid him, especially knowing his ownership is as high as it is. Honestly, I'm kind of surprised by that. I know Devonta Adams is just sort of like the king receiver, but in this game, it's at Chicago. Adams is going to do just fine. I, I just I just want to go to a like 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 Mike was saying, a more stackable game with a little bit more um opportunity for points. All right. How do you feel about her, the Herbert situation? I like Herbert. Uh, I mean, I, I thought I was surprised at how much work he got last week. Um, you know, with Justin Fields, you know, it's it's the kind of thing where I think Justin Fields probably helps him, whereas Justin Fields doesn't help the receivers at all. I I do think he helps the running game if they were to kind of use him correctly. I think Listen, if the question is, is Khalil Herbert going to pay off his price? My answer to that is yes. I think you can run on Green Bay. Um, is it? Does he have a high ceiling? Probably not. But the point in getting Herbert isn't necessarily for his high ceiling. It's to grab a high-priced guy that actually does have a high ceiling. Yeah, so he's probably a, an avoid in GPPs then if if we're talking about Khalil Herbert and maybe in cash games if you want that ability to, to spend up at other positions, uh, a safer floor for Khalil Herbert here. Uh, last game on the early slate is the Texans at the Colts. The Colts are 10-point favorites with a 43-and-a-half-point total. And uh, left tackle for the Texans, Laramie Tunzel, is out as he needs thumb surgery. And then for the Colts, T.Y. Hilton returned to practice and could be activated this week, which is just perfect because if you follow T.Y. Hilton's career, you know that he owns, absolutely owns the Houston Texans. He has 11 touchdowns in 18 career games against them. Uh, I originally had Taylor Swift in my cash lineup, Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift. I mean, look, any anytime you have the opportunity to play Taylor Swift together, you, you've got to do it. But uh, see ya, you texted me. You said that you do not trust Jonathan Taylor in cash this week. Why is that? Well, I'm just still not sure what his opportunity is going to be. He looked great against the Ravens, but he also only got 15 carries, which really surprised me because they were up that entire game. What ended up happening was the Colts brought in Marlon Mack for a little bit more than I was ready for in that game to run the ball. It's one thing if you bring in Naheem Hines for some pass catching. They didn't even do that. There was just a little bit too much of Marlon Mack. And honestly, that might have just been an aberration. Maybe they were literally trying to showcase him in a game they thought they had already won. Maybe. But... I'm just not sure, unless Jonathan Taylor breaks a run or a screen pass like he did against the Ravens, 
I just don't think I'm ready to like in GPP. I like him. Period. I like him in G. I don't love him in GPP, but I'll play him here and there. But in cash, I'm I'm just not confident he's going to get the volume versus some of these other guys that I plan on playing. He does play less snaps than other uh, elite running backs, so I I will 100% agree with you there. 53% of the snaps. He does have 16 or more touches in four or five games this year, back-to-back games with three receptions on the nose there. Big home favorite. Houston allowing 4.75 yards per carry to running sure. backs this season, fifth most. I, I kind of I think this is a smash spot for the Colts, and particularly Jonathan Taylor. Well, let me say this. You're probably more right than I am. And, and but, but here's another reason why. Wentz is finally looking pretty healthy. He finally – I think Mike pointed this out on the early edge last uh, Monday night before Monday Night Football. It was his first week of actual full week of practice. The offensive line looks way better now than they did two, three, four weeks ago. So now this team is starting to look like the Indianapolis Colts that a lot of people thought they were going to look like. And to your point, that probably means a field day – at home against Houston for Jonathan Taylor. So I'll kind of retract what I'm saying, but again, I I will probably be more prone to playing him in GPP versus cash. Yeah, no, I... I I think now with all this value opening up at running back, it is harder to, to pay up for a Jonathan Taylor or DeAndre Swift in cash. So I'm going to ha- have to go back to the well there and figure that one out. Uh, the other day we mentioned Carson Wentz, 5,400, and Michael Pittman, 5,500 as solid value plays. Mike, what happens if T.Y. Hilton actually plays here? Does that put a damper on the Michael Pittman love? It does. Um, and I was reading some quotes from T.Y. T.Y. did not declare himself ready to come off of the injured list. Um, he said, just because I'm practicing doesn't mean I'm playing. We will see if that changes. I would expected, I would have expected him to be active for this game at home. I think you know, division game at home. It's what he's kind of lived for in his career here. I think that at this point in his career, this is one that he wanted to be active for, but that quote from practice today was not super encouraging. Um, if he plays, I'm off of Pittman. I'm off of Wentz. I, I don't really have much interest in the game. Uh, I will say on Jonathan Taylor, super interesting. I agree with you that you can play him if you were considered someone like DeAndre Swift, um, just because I think that it's a good leverage play overall. Um, What's concerning to me is against the three defenses that he's played that we typically think are like average or above average defenses, he averaged 3.3 yards per carry against Seattle, 3.4 against the Rams, 3.5 against the Ravens against the two defenses that we think typically aren't great. Tennessee, Miami, 6.4 yards per carry in those games. If you remove the long 76 yard touchdown pass or whatever it was to in that game to Baltimore, when Naeem Hines is typically on the field, or if he's just tackled for a 12 yard gain, his box score looks drastically different. It looks like a fine game. It looks like a game where they were up and had similar scenario to what they're going to have this week. But I think that 34.9 points is crazy as it sounds because of the production we saw from him last season with this team and the pieces that they have. I'm going to say that's his absolute ceiling. I, I don't think he has the 40 plus ceiling that he used to have. I could be very wrong, but uh, I think that when you look at that box score and see 35 points, you should probably adjust it to 25 points. Yeah, no, it's definitely a little bit misleading. Uh, the only thing I'll point out is the matchup here against the Texans, they're closer to the the Titans and the Dolphins of the world, Mike. So it, on paper, it's a great matchup. So like if he, you know, if he breaks a long run, two long runs, it just would not surprise me for Taylor in the spot. The only Texan that I am looking at, I'll bring him up. Brandon Cooks is 5,800, still has a, a huge role in their in their passing attack. So if you're looking at some kind of mini stack in, G, in GPP with Jonathan Taylor, uh, Brandon Cooks still has a very valuable role in this offense. The afternoon slate, we have three games here. The Cardinals at the Browns. This game is a mess. The Browns are three-point favorites with a 49 nine and a half point total and this total has been dropping all week long I believe it opened up at like 54 and it's all the way down to 49 and a half so that tells you everything you need to know and there are 17 mile per hour wins projected for this game as of now that could affect the passing game and not like you know Baker Mayfield needs any other reason to to suck honestly uh, but let's start <laughs> off with the injuries the Cardinals there is a COVID situation currently brewing Chandler Jones tested positive and Dan Graziano reported there are two other positives with the Cardinals now we don't know if those are players or if they're coaches or who they are but that is notable because 
because DeAndre Hopkins mispracticed Thursday with an illness. That is all they're saying as of now. If you remember back in the summer, DeAndre Hopkins was one of many players that reacted to the NFL's vaccine policy. So if he tests positive for COVID and he is unvaccinated, he will surely miss this week and he will perhaps miss week seven as well. I'm jumping a, a whole bunch of conclusions right now, but it's a possibility based on what's going on with the uh, the Cardinals. Max Williams was placed on the IR. Chase Edmonds and Kyler Murray have been limited in practice so far this week. For the Browns, as if we needed more injuries. Both Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb did not practice again on Thursday. So I'll start with the Cardinals side of things. Uh, see, how do you approach this game if DeAndre Hopkins is in versus if he is out? Just like last week, I don't know that you approach it much differently, to be honest with you, because the target share is so spread out. Now we don't have Max Williams and we won't have DeAndre Hopkins. So perhaps it's a, just a bump up to the other three receivers here. I would be way more inclined to play probably Rondale Moore with a Kyler Murray and bring it back with either an Odell Beckham, Kareem Hunt, or Nick Chubb. I mean, Rondell Moore, his, his snap share kind of like bounced back a little bit last week. He's playing that slot role with Christian Kirk kind of, you know, back and forth. Um, but I think with less players, they're going to scheme, like less receivers, they're going to scheme him up a little bit more and his price is great. So, you know, we got to monitor the wind. We obviously have to monitor the injuries, but I don't mind. By the way, I think Chase Edmonds is going to be fine. I think he's literally just resting. I can't say the same for Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. That one's a little bit more mysterious to me. I think they're going to be fine as well. So it's a 49 and a half point total. This game's going to be largely ignored, I think, relative to some of the stacks we've talked about, two or three of the games we've talked about. So I think I might end up, unless the wind really picks up, I think I might end up doing a stack with Kyler Murray, maybe Rondale Moore, and bringing it back with uh, one of those guys I mentioned, probably Kareem Hunter, Odell Beckham. If Hopkins is active, any interest in playing him, see you? Not really. Um, I, you know, I, he had a nice game last week. A lot of that happened at the end of the game when it looked like Kyler was kind of forcing him the ball, which is fine. DeAndre Hopkins can catch pretty much anything, but it wasn't the type of flow I was interested in in terms of like finding a, a high volume uh, pass catcher. So I, I'll probably defer more to uh, Rondell Moore in that case. I'll point out with Rondell Moore, he played a season high 48% of the snaps last week with Max Williams getting hurt. And for the first time this season, he ran more routes than Christian Kirk. So I am with you there. If anything happens to Hopkins, I think Rondell Moore at 4,600 is the name that I would be looking at. Mike, what do we do with the Browns? If one of uh, Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt is out, I assume that you would be interested in playing the other one. Uh, what if both are out? Do we play a gentleman named Demetric Felton, who is min price? He is 4K. Uh, Felton will definitely be in play. Uh, you know, he's been active and on the field a few times this year already. He actually, in weeks two, three, and four, has two catches in each of those games. Um, hey, I, I think that there's a chance that uh, he's someone that we're going to be end up playing. So definitely the issue that comes up there is these Cleveland running backs, they appear that they are going to be true game time decisions. And this is a 3 p.m. game or an afternoon game with very little pivot room, uh, two very unattractive games to follow. There's not a lot. You, you can take hard stances in tournaments if you want to, and you'll probably get rewarded nicely for doing so if those backs end up sitting. Um, but it, yeah, it's a complete mess. Uh, but to answer your question, yes, Felton would be someone that we would for sure be playing if they were both out, but potentially playing if one of them's out, especially if the one that's out is Nick Chubb. If Kareem Hunt has to handle the entire workload, Felton's going to be out there helping him do so. Um, yeah, it's a total mess. Um, now, on the other side of the game, I have some interest. I'm on Cleveland on the betting side. I have a lot of Cleveland this week. I think they're the better team. I think this is a great spot for them. However, sucks that they're not healthy. So DeAndre Hopkins, big question mark. I... It obviously think there's a chance he misses this game because I do think that what you were talking about to start this segment, I, I think that that's probably the case, but we'll see. Um, I like him though. I played him in one lineup last week. Didn't really work out, but didn't hurt me. But you mentioned that he got a lot of action towards the end when Max Williams has already went down in a game where they were essentially fighting to try and still win the game. The game was very much in doubt at that point still, which is what I think they see here. They're on the road against a good Cleveland Browns team. I think that he could get things forced his way. Um, so I think that he's right in that same boat where like I mentioned Cooper Cup, if he's going to come in with a questionable tag on game day, 
I think that it's interesting in tournaments because we know that there's not a lot of pivots there. If you're willing to do that and ready to go rebuild your lineup in a moment's notice, you could be talking about a real low single digit ownership number on DeAndre Hopkins in a game in which the team is like really going to be trailing. Um, and, and they're without that tight end, Max Williams, that they've really frankly relied on to open things up in that offense this season. I, I think that especially if Kyler, we know Kyler Murray's hurt and banged up, right? When you're hurt and banged up, we might see a little bit with Tom Brady tonight on Thursday Night Football. When that happens, you tend to go what's familiar, right? <laughs> Muscle memory kind of kicks in and takes over. What's familiar for him is throwing the football to DeAndre Hopkins. And we saw it a little bit towards the end of that game. I think we see it a little bit here in this week. So I'm certainly keeping DeAndre Hopkins in my player pool as long as he's at least questionable and active. And um, just a, a quick tip, and Mike always is smart to point this out to the listeners, is that you want to keep DeAndre Hopkins or any questionable player in that flex spot, especially in these afternoon yes. games. You can pivot right over to that Cowboys game and play Zeke or you know whatever, Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, any, anything like that. So that would be um, – there are pivots to have. It, it, it's, it's not a lot. But there are pivots to have if if one of these guys, whether you're playing Hopkins or Nick Chubb, for example, uh, gets ruled out and you have them in your lineup. The Cowboys at the Patriots. The Cowboys are three and a half point favorites with a 50 and a half point total here. Ezekiel Elliott and Trayvon Diggs were limited in practice on Thursday, but should be good to go. And then for the Patriots, Damian Harris had, uh, was present for the media access portion of Thursday's practice, so he should be good to go as well. Personally, I have not targeted this game much yet, but definitely some GPP potential here based at least, if nothing else, on the total. The fact that we have a 50.5 point total here, uh, and I do think Ezekiel Elliott at 7,100, and oddly enough, Hunter Henry. I, I know that, you know, basically there are three tight ends that we are targeting this week Ricky Seals Jones, Travis Kelsey, and Mark Andrews, but Hunter Henry is playing he's on the field he's running a ton of routes and now he's converting that he's catching the ball and he's scoring touchdowns so he's only 3900 and i'm sure that you will get him at very very low ownership see ya any interest in this game between the pats and the cowboys not really i mean i i kind of just want to keep it short here i understand it's a 51 point total we've got 23.75 implied for the patriots 27.25 implied for dallas those points got to go somewhere okay even if the under comes in that's still going to be plenty of points for at least one of these two teams, if not both. I'm just not 100% sure where it's going to come from. If I was going to do anything in this game from a rostership standpoint, it would probably be Zeke because he's just looked so good. Um, I don't know what the game plan is going to be for the Patriots. What are they going to try to take away like they always do? Uh, I just I, There's just too many unknowns, too many targets between Dalton and CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper. Uh, I, I don't like either of these sides. Mike, what are we thinking about this game? Cowboys at the Patriots. Yeah, I got to say, I don't love it. Uh, I'm not getting up to Zeke at 7,100. Uh, I think the only real scenario where I could see myself getting up to Zeke is if I thought I was taking a chance on Nick Chubb and I had him in a lineup, in a tournament lineup at 7,200 and he gets ruled out or we get some sort of uncomfortable news. I think you can pivot there to Zeke. But, uh, you know, other than that, I think that the only way I'm going to find myself on this game is if I'm trying to take advantage of that injury situation in Arizona, Cleveland, whether it's with DeAndre Hopkins, the running backs, whatever it may be. That's really the only way I'm getting to this game. Um, I think that the Cowboys should be ahead. I think that they can score points a number of ways. Um, Look, if you want to play, if you have a hot take on CeeDee Lamb or Amari Cooper, I think that they're fine plays. Um, I don't think that you're gaining enough leverage by playing someone like Dalton Schultz at the new price point of 4900 mm-hmm. uh, I think New England does a decent job limiting production to the tight end. So as boring as it is for creating content like this, I don't really have much interest in this game other than it's nice that it's there in the emergency situation where we have to pivot quickly on that Cleveland Browns, Arizona Cardinals game. All right. Well, if you don't really like that game, I don't know how much you're going to like the Raiders at the Broncos. (laughs) The Broncos are three and a half point favorites with a 44 point total. And as you've likely heard by now, John Gruden is out as the Raiders head coach. And it will be interesting to see how the Raiders team overall uh, responds here in the spot in a divisional matchup at the Broncos. Uh, on the injury front, Darren Waller returned to practice on Thursday. He did not practice on Wednesday. Uh, Josh Jacobs did not practice on Thursday. Melvin Gordon for the Broncos was limited in practice on Thursday. All of the running backs in this game are pretty cheap. Josh Jacobs is 5,900. Uh, he had 19 touches with four receptions last week. 
Melvin Gordon's at 51, and Javante Williams is all the way down at 5K. Uh, and then we I mentioned Cortland Sutton. He's 6,200, had a massive game last week. Seven catches, 120 yards, and a touchdown. But overall, just not really much working here for Misia. No, and I, I don't want to chase the Cortland Sutton points, even though I think it's a nice matchup for him. Uh, I mean, Noah Fant is interesting. Tim Patrick, interesting because of their price points. Javante Williams, if you just want to take a GPP dart in, in a big tournament, maybe he can break one and rack up over 100 yards and a touchdown. But there's just nothing here. I, I, the only thing I'm going to point out is this. Last week, I said there were two lines I really liked. I liked the Eagles and I liked the Steelers. And not only were they both dogs, they both won outright. So boom, 2-0. I kind of like this. This is kind of a Mike McClure special, too, on the early edge. When you have a team like the Raiders who, oh, look at all these distractions. They must be down and out. They've lost a couple games in a row. It really seems like the perfect time to take the Raiders plus three and a half on the road. So I'm just kind of going to point that out there. I think that's a pretty sharp play. And uh, other than that, no DFS angle here. What do you think, Mike? Uh, it's a good time to crack the liquid death. So... Um... <laughs> Yeah, I don't have anything to say on this one other than I think Sia's dead right. I think that the uh, the Raiders are a pretty sharp side in this game to go win. Uh, I do think that with the pieces they have in place that it's going to be one where they're going to go out and try and win this game. I don't think they're going to come out flat at all. I think we've talked about it a little bit here, a lot on the early edge about Denver being a little bit of a fraudulent team, which no fault of their own. You can only play who you're supposed to line up against each week. And now they've finally started to play better teams. Um but as far as a DFS standpoint, like you want to play Williams at running back and hope that he, you know, gets the touchdown, gets instead of eight carries, 12 to 13, still catches three to four passes. Like, I think it's okay. I think it's somewhat limited in terms of upside. Just the, the issue is, is there's too much value at the position. Mm -hmm. So I can pretty confidently say I will have absolutely nobody in this game. Yeah, I likely won't either. I will just say, and I will never wish injury upon a player, but if something were to happen to Melvin Gordon at some point, I think that we are an injury away from uh, Javante Williams potentially taking off here. Javante to the moon, as as the kids would say. Uh, Mike McClure, by the way, look, if anyone's a, a new listener or a new viewer out there, no, Mike isn't drinking on the job, though I wouldn't mind if he was. Uh, liquid death. It looks like a craft beer. It's actually water. It's water in a can. So just I'll let everyone know. Uh, week six cheat sheet. We'll wrap up here with our favorite value, chalk contrarian, and favorite stack of the week. Let's start with... See ya. Uh, speaking of the moon, Captain Kirk, we should have brought this up when we talked about Cousins. Captain Kirk, otherwise known as William Shatner, he went into space yesterday. That's kind of cool at 90 years old. Uh, anyway, so listen, the value play for me is Amon Ross St. Brown, 4,200. I know I'm kind of chasing points here, but it's 4,200. It's super cheap, negative game script against the Bengals team that's probably going to be able to put up points. This is a nice bring back situation in a stack. Chalk play is DJ Moore. Um Again, that's a little contingent upon Christian McCaffrey. Uh, I like it more if Christian McCaffrey is out, but still, I like DJ Moore in a nice bounce back spot against the bad secondary. My contrarian play is Odell Beckham. Now, I'm going to qualify this as well. If the wins somehow get out of control and they get up to 20, 22, 25, it's not as good of a play. But I think this is a perfect time for Odell Beckham to bounce back off basically being absent last week and then just getting missed constantly by Baker Mayfield the week before. He's not going to let it happen for three weeks straight coming off the, the injury that he had. So nice time for Odell Beckham. And my stack is uh, Justin Herbert to Keenan Allen. I think the price is right for Keenan Allen. I think there's regression with respect to his red zone targets in terms of him catching some of them. And Justin Herbert is just Justin Herbert, man. This guy's too good. All right, Mike, you're up. All right. Uh, so let's see, where are we starting? We are starting with the value play. I'm going to call it Daryl Williams. Um, you can call it the chalk play, call it the value play. I elected to use him as value instead of chalk just because I think all of the running back value opening up could actually limit the final ownership number on him as people look to play pass catchers from Patrick Mahomes. So we're going to go Daryl Williams, the value play, chalk play, Ricky Seals-Jones, uh, just simply too cheap. And I'm way too heavy on the Kansas City side to not have the additional bring back. I absolutely love the target volume that he saw. And I think that that should continue in what should be a very friendly game script and overall environment. Also, slight little revenge game for him. Not that he really cares that much. And then my contrarian play, I'm going to give you a defense just because I don't think a ton of people are eager to play defenses against this L.A. Chargers team. Uh, 
Um, but I've mentioned I like the Ravens defense here. It's a price point play, and it's a little bit of a leverage play if Lamar and Mark Andrews smash, and it's not because they're trailing. If it's Lamar on his legs and I don't have Lamar in the Patrick Mahomes lineup, I think that it's a great spot to be in there. And then since I'm not playing any of the Chargers, I, I think that I'm going to go ahead and move all in on that situation, and, and I'm going to play the Ravens defense. All right. And your stack, I mean, look, to no one's surprise, it is uh, Patrick Mahomes to Tyreek Hill. Whenever the Chiefs are on the main slate, you can expect... How long did it take you to come up with that one? Oh, pff, <laughs> you know, all of, uh, I don't know, five seconds there. I love, I love the responses we get to the cheat sheet graphic, though. Those are those are great. Keep them coming. Uh, for me, Keep them coming. the value play, I have Khalil Herbert at 4,600. Again, I don't think that the upside is massive. The ceiling is, is not necessarily huge here for Khalil Herbert, but uh, 15 plus touches, I think that we're in that range here uh, if the Bears want to keep this game close I think it's probably by keeping the ball on the ground keeping the ball away from the Green Bay Packers chalk, chalk play for me Terry McLaurin who is 7100 I almost went with Ricky Seals Jones two weeks in a row but I'll change it up I'll go with another uh, Washington football team player here Terry McLaurin who has a 28% target share on the season if you're running Chief stacks bringing it back with Terry McLaurin absolutely love that this week contrarian I mentioned Robbie Anderson all the way down to 4800 uh, I do one if he caught a long touchdown last week from Sam Darnold, you know, how would people be viewing Robbie Anderson at this point? Would they be more eager to play him? I, I think the answer is probably yes there. So uh, a sneaky game between the Vikings and the Panthers. I like Robbie Anderson as a contrarian play. And then the stack, you guys haven't mentioned the Lamar side yet, so I will be the one to go for it. And the layup, Lamar Jackson to Mark Andrews this week. Mark Andrews, also a great play and a great value coming off his best game of the the season. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're going to wrap there. For Sia and Mike, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Football Today. DFS, the next time we will be back is Tuesday, where we will recap week six and take an early look at week seven pricing. See you then.